Hello and welcome to Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial podcast for literally all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And, uh, you know, we've been slacking a little bit on our commitment to focus on a, you know, to collapse our, our full spectrum coverage into a single show. Mm. You know, we've gotten Emmys in here. We've got yeah, all kinds we of talk stuff. Really just too much about too much stuff. Yeah, yeah. We got to get back. We're going to be talking, uh, like we have the last several weeks about HBO's Sharp Objects miniseries, uh, starring Amy Adams. This particular episode, uh, episode four, uh, entitled Ripe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're going to get right to that. Uh, we also just 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 to just to toe oh, the line over yeah. into all of mm-hmm. television. Okay. Uh, Jim seen Castle Rock that uh-huh. came out last week. Um, the first episode, I think they released three. Yeah, there's three episodes out in the wild. Uh, we're going to try to take a look at that and and uh, talk a bit about it because it seems like it might be up up our alley a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's it's. My girlfriend is is way 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 into Stephen King yeah, and yeah. all of his novels. Yeah. So we watched it together, and I think there is probably a lot going on there that I'm not going to get because I'm not a big Stephen King fan. We should explain uh, that this is a Stephen King Stephen Spielberg collaboration. No, no, no JJ Abrams, JJ Abrams, Stephen, Stephen King. King. Yeah, somebody said Stephen Spielberg. I was like, yeah, who? What are you talking about? That was me, and you just did. So no, no, last week sometime. <laughs> I think it was me. I think, I think it was me on the plane oh. from Philadelphia. Well, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a look at that and see what we think. Um, but now we're just talking about sharp objects. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I like this episode yet again. Uh, I'm I'm just entertained is not the right word engaged by this show in a way that not a lot of other shows do um maybe not since leftovers went off the air you know it this is this is definitely a story of grief yes no doubt yes uh i don't know if it's a story of recovering from grief but it's right. certainly about grief and uh i guess i was missing that in my life yeah no it's 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 extremely absorbing yeah. uh television to watch and I, I guess it's interesting because I've been trying to kind of decide, you know, who I'm kind of rooting for and who I th- or, or who has the good people, who's the bad people. But at, at this show just continually shows us shades of gray. Like mm-hmm. Camille is not, uh, you know, like uh, good, bad, whatever. She's extremely damaged. Uh, oh, she, yeah. She's got a, a lot of problems that she's dealing with. Being here is not good for her. Like, even if you think that she was on recovery before, which I don't agree, like, this is like sending an alcoholic to, uh, I don't know. The liquor store to pick the, you up something. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> and, and maybe maybe while you're there, just stay for a couple of days. Just really immerse sure. yourself in that, that culture and lifestyle. Uh-huh. And, like, you know, the big city detective is kind of problematic. Everybody in the town has got axes to grind and all kinds of weird dysfunction. And You think the big city detective is problematic? I'm curious why. I don't. From my my big city eyes, saying, say he's probably the most well adjusted okay, of the bunch. All right, fine. Except but, for maybe the other, the chief. But, but I think the chief is pretty well adjusted. But yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is that I don't think that the the Kim. I don't. I don't think that adding himself to Camille's mm. life is going to lead anything good. I, I guess that's what I mean that. by problematic. Absolutely. For Camille, yeah. He's fucking with forces. I don't think he... Well, I know he doesn't fully understand. Like, the mm-hmm. conversation about the cheerleaders and having their way revealed that, like, you know, he's not on that same wave level, and, and I feel like it's kind of self-destructive for Camille to, like, get... Because that's what the thing I was thinking, like, okay, well, this is kind of sweet. Or it's kind of interesting. They have nice chemistry, but surely they both know 
that this is not something that should happen right now. And I sure. think that yeah. I think that that actually still is true. They both know it's just mm-hmm. you know uh, I, I can't tell. Honestly, I'm having a tough time telling how much of this is that they're attracted to each other uh-huh. and and want to bone down, and how much of it is trying to get information and and keep keep their leads alive, essentially. Boy, I think it's leaning. That, that, that's another layer of calculation that I hadn't even. <laughs> I, I just been trying to do the emotional balance. Now you're talking like you know Cause, business cause it, interests. It's it's clear to me at some point where it seems like he it, they're both doing a similar thing here. Like he is kind of trying to get information from Camille, using her to get info that he can trade to the cop to the chief to get information from him, right? Yeah. And Camille is also using him to get this on-record statement that she can use for her story, and I don't know how far that goes. I'm a big believer in the fake it till you make it strategy, because uh, I've seen it work in my own life. Like, if you're not confident, then, then try to do your best acting job of being confident, and, like, through some trick of psychology, you will be, you will start to feel more confident, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, if... It is true that they have entered into this, this flirtation as dalliance for, you know, uh, not altruistic, you know, like trying to get information <laughs> from the other person. I think we've reached a stage where they fade it, faked it until they made, made it. They, they like, might have. These yeah. people are so lonely and isolated from the town for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just see it. It's like every scene, like... Uh, you know, the detective just rolling past a bakery and like this fucking town. Like mm-hmm. and and you know, Camille uh getting rejected by her mother when she thought she was making connection. Like I, I feel like that there is something genuine but very ill advised happening between the <laughs> two. You could be right. Could and that you right. could and there's a, a lot of things I didn't suspect. Like they pretty much hinted that Vickery and Adorov had an inappropriate relationship. Did they? Or hmm. like I, I think that they're hinting at that and okay. that like like when uh what's his her husband calls them out? Is that is that what you're talking about? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, we've had this conversation like so when I first saw the Vickery, you know, talking to her and he's like, Oh, that's what I love about you, Adora, you're a son of a bitch or whatever he said. Uh-huh. And she's like, Is that the only thing you love about me? And then she kinda like presents herself on the <laughs> Shay Lounge. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe she's just in her cuckoo land way. Like, maybe this is like a new spark of something that we haven't seen before. But then when she goes upstairs and has this tirade of Alan, it seems like maybe this is a pattern. Yeah, could uh, be. And there's a lot of mention. There's also, I mean, there's so much subliminal stuff or like, not subliminal, but like peripheral. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Vickers, I think on, on two separate occasions is kind of confronted with the fact of like, oh, calling on a woman late at night, like, oh, how... In a... mm-hmm. And then they offset that with his kind of like perfunctory morning routine with his wife. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's supposed to mean something. I'll give you another. Might, yeah. I'll give you another example because I'm kind of bouncing all over the place. The first crime scene that Camille shows uh, Willis in you know her tour mm-hmm. of the grisly past of wind gap yeah, is the, where the suicides the the, yeah. the the lesbian teenage lover murder mm-hmm. suicide which is like a kate like like uh, uh, camille implies that this was a case closed just to get it off the books not really they saw they didn't find a murder weapon there was no like they just like oh well they're crazy lesbians so they went in the woods and killed themselves mm-hmm. um i i think that's interesting and also I think, like, I wouldn't say this ordinarily, 
But like when John is talking about his sister and Natalie's relationship, or I'm sorry, Natalie and Anne's relationship, and how it was like really turbulent and there's like fighting all the time mm-hmm. and all that stuff, like I would start to think like, well, maybe if I read between the lines, this is like a like a passionate type of lover situation, and maybe there's a like with Emma being the third wheel, mm-hmm. and then you start to draw. Now I'm starting to draw a connection between those girls that were murdered however many years ago, I guess like before Camille was even born. And now this thing is happening again. Hmm. And like with all this generational history, like, you know, the reveal that like Adora had a complicated to say the least relationship with her mom, you know, like, like things are repeating. I I feel like there's, these are, these are tenuous connections we're supposed to be making. And they feel like real connections. They do. I'm not sure what they add up to quite yet. Yeah. Uh, but I I am expecting something to come of those. I mean, there's a lot of there are a lot of scenes I guess in this this episode even that are just overt, and th- the whole point of the scene is kind of up in the air at the moment. Um, that that make me wonder what are they going to do with that? Like with Mr. Lacey, um, the the drama teacher, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and his interaction with Emma this episode. What does he have to do with anything? You know, it's it's episode four. We're introducing an entirely new character to this story, one who seems to be less than pleased with something in his life. Yeah. Um, there's there's the danger of, you know, Emma flirting with him. What's he going to do with that? And that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I, in my mind, I don't think he slammed the door hard enough on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, he, he did slam the door, so good on him. But I think he shut the door. He I shut think, the door, I think yeah. he, he... He didn't fir- lock it. <laughs> m- maybe not even firmly. Gently shut the door. Uh, but I, not, I don't know how you shut the door on Emma. That's that's hard, and I'm you not... You got so- to. You got to, like, just put, like, you know, you got to slam that She's thing like a She's just so strong-willed. Ball. I don't... Uh, like, you're going to have to... You're going to have to videotape all your interactions with her <laughs> just so you know yeah. that nothing in, inappropriate happened. Well, see, that's where I'm getting at. Like, I don't think this drama teacher is 100%, like, clear. I think I think he's already kind of... I, I, that's the reason he's, he's... I don't know. Some people are just adverse to conflict and standing up to someone as powerful as Ammo with a powerful family, mm-hmm. just, like, slamming the door shut like it should is it, probably hard. But yeah. on the other hand, she's not even 15 years old. This is wildly inappropriate, her coming to right. hold your hand and, like, suggesting all this stuff. And, like, that's what it, the situation, I think, calls for. But Yeah. I, I don't know. I am I'm I would be worried that no matter how you handle that, Emma is going to pursue whatever she feels like pursuing. <laughs> and so you don't want to piss her off. Yeah. But you also don't want to leave the door open, like you said. It's, yeah. There's a fine line to walk there, and I, I don't think Mr. Lacey walks it really at all in this scene. He just tries to get out of the situation. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then there's that other scene with Jackie where, like you said, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chief Vickers. Mr. Vickers. Mr. Vickers comes calling. I do declare. He comes a call. A man on my doorstep after dark. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Are you staring at my tits? <laughs> uh, I don't remember Scarlett O'Hara saying that. that no? That's like, yeah. No, I thought th- that's a deleted scene. Yeah. <laughs> that's the difference in a Midwestern Bell and a Southern Bell. Right. Midwestern Bell just go right for the tits. Uh, so Vickers comes to her house and asks her uh, this question. She's just like, I don't know. And he leaves. Where yeah. is that going? Something is happening there that's th- more than just that scene. I think it confirms. Yeah, because I think the subtext is it confirms the suspicion. 
that like if there was nothing there, she, she would, would be flirty and yeah. she would like be gossipy and catty and be like, oh, would you? But the fact that there is very like think flashing red John. lights, huh? You think she banged, banged John? No, John Keane, because the the women at the table are all talking about, oh, I'm making my boy slave. No, that kind of that's, stuff. that's just women being gross and inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, women and don't like do God that, knows, do they? God knows men Surely not. do it more and worse, but I'm just calling a spade, you know. <laughs> I'm not too sure about like how much we should let women reclaim that space or like mm-hmm. tread over that line because like we've done it for so long, you know, it's like one of those <laughs> things like maybe the pendulum needs to stop dead center and we don't fuck kids. That, that would and be And we a good don't thing. lust after children. Maybe. I could get maybe. that, yeah. I think, I think maybe that's where society needs to be like, ah, you know what? There's some push and pull and tugging, but but this is where we need to go stop dead center. Uh, but clearly they're they're putting some light. They're shining a, a spotlight on Jackie, which was one of my early suspicions mm-hmm. because of, she was just acting weird. Mm-hmm. Here she's acting weird again. I don't know exactly where they're going with that. Are they going to try and like pin her as the killer? I think she's going to be like the sin eater. She's the she's the person with the deep dark secret that she's covering for her more yeah. powerful, well connected f- friend that's got this odd hold on her. Like she I, has like a- she's the Jodes to Adora's sure. Emma forty years ago. Yeah, I think she's got an amazing house as well. She does. Like she's like apparently she's, very rich too. Which that so. that I. I I don't know why I thought she's going to live in a trailer park. Probably because the first time I saw her, she's wearing like a house coat and she's drinking <laughs> lit sweet tea. But like, I should have known that everyone that Adora would surround herself with is is Wind Gap royalty. Like that, yeah. those ladies having the the brunch at the Lamar. Uh-huh. Um, they've that they've they've all got to be like hog farm executives, yeah. old money, maybe even distant relations, cousins, things like that. It's got to be. Mm-hmm. That's because that's just the way they're 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 painting this thing. You're probably already fast forwarding through the credits. Yes. Uh, yeah. Each week they have cha- They have had a slightly a different musical composition. Uh-huh. This week they had like an R and B kind of like a, like an R Kelly, Chris Brown, and I'm using those two gentlemen like deliberately, mm-hmm. like version of this song called Kitty Curls. All right, cupcake kitty curls about this bad girl and wicked and and I I yeah, I, I like what this. where did they get this song? Turns out it's it was manufactured for the show and the lyrics are entirely from words that are carved on Camille's body. Interesting, right? But cupcakes? I think she carved cupcakes on her body. Apparently so. It must cupcakes. have been a rough morning. Yeah, and like why kitty? Why like curls make sense because there's clearly something about her chopping off her hair that we're going to find mm-hmm. out. And 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 you know, Adora throws that uh, misremembered scene into her face Maybe? at one yeah, point. Probably misremembered. I. But I, I think I think she it's, doesn't get time to explain it. No, I think it's interesting because like I like this. This episode in particular was like daring us to confront our. You know, expectations about like, you know, women who are different from society's expectations and might have like some damage and recovery and how they're like, you know, like crazy girls fuck good, essentially, is what this is the subtext of the song and how that's like a fascination. But it's like, you know, there's like all these like don't stick your dick in crazy, bro. But, uh, you know, like we joke about it. Uh And like I don't know, like I, I like this show because it's continuing to peel that that layer, these layers that we've only I think as society begun to unpeel, and like asking us like, well, what do you think about it? Mm-hmm. You know, like that scene where I, I describe as soon as I saw it, I was like this is this is the exact opposite of the Don Draper threatening finger bang. 
Okay. You know, like the energy was flowing in the complete opposite direction. It was the empowerment was different. Um, but it was a it was a really bizarre scene. Oh yeah. And like, I don't know how to feel about it. No, I didn't. I didn't know what was happening until it happened, and yeah, I felt right. like the cop in that in that scenario. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What is going on here? Yeah. Is this is, okay? Is she trying to like show me her scars? Like, right. I thought, and then oh no, okay. <laughs> and then she bites him at the end. Mm-hmm. Real seems really, really a big, hard chunk taken out of his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, he screams. And he screams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but apparently, I don't know. That whole situation is uh, no good. Yeah. Honestly, if I were him, I would be running in the the other direction. Yeah, because that's who. But what's his damage? You know, what yeah. is he? What is his thing that he's like? What is his white whale? That is it his career? Is it he's like the killer? He's gotta he's gotta fix everything. He sees all the hurt in the world, and he's like, D- like that's it's a bad combination. These two are a bad combination. Mm-hmm. You do not want uh, a woman working her way through recovery to to wind up with a with a this, like this kind of white knight guy. I don't think. But then again, I don't know. Like I, and in the vast sum of human history, I'm sure there's m- many occasions where those combinations have been perfectly delightful and fine. And it's been self healing and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I'm skeptical. Yeah, I think Camille needs to work on herself a little bit, her own mental health. Yeah, before she can hope to have any kind of relationship. And this guy, like uh, this guy, is not, I don't think is thinking about not. N- let's let's put a, a career aside, but the case, like he's got an antagonistic relationship with this Vickers character. Oh, I know. I'll sidle up and have an inappropriate sexual relationship with the journalist who's also the black sheep of the town. Mm-hmm. Like, what? It's what not- is the most important thing for you to be doing, Willis? And you know, act accordingly. Like, if he's going to say, "Well, yeah. solving this case," then you need to keep a certain prof- professional relationship with Camille. If it's heal the wounded girl and you know uh then 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 you can't lie and say it's about the case <laughs> sure which I'm, I'm still up in the air on where his true intentions lie i guess um i thought it's interesting what do you think what do you make of the bullet holes in the stop signs we saw like this is connected to the wild bunch that Am- Amma is running around with uh-huh uh, the teenagers following the the skater girls in the car and and plugging stop signs. Um, yeah, that seems to like uniquely bother the chief though. Well, I think it's that there's gunfire in the middle of town. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty annoying. That's just the Midwest though. Uh, but I feel like it was specifically the wasn't that the same sign that he was straightening out or I think it might have been. Sign? I couldn't quite tell. It I, looked like I feel the, like it's just one of those annoying things that happens all the time. He's like rolling his eyes because. Ah, this fucking sign again. But when he realizes it's a bullet hole, I, th- I feel mm. like there was a little extra, like, Jesus. Because mm. that's, you know... I mean, it's ominous with all the things that have been happening. Right, right. Is it a message, you know? Yeah. Um, do we do we know what the deal with Calhoun Day is? So, there's a statue to a guy who fought in the Civil He's a War. a Confederate soldier, yeah. I'm, take, I'm, I'm gathering. I assume so, yeah. Um, and I guess he's just, like, the hero of the town because he fought. Okay. That, that's my read on. But he it. left his. But but there's something. There's something to the wife being left behind uh-huh. and Emma. But how much of that play is real, right? Like it sounds like she, none mo- of it. she modifies it heavily. Yeah, like the at, fact that she best. formed like some kind of like all girl right. or all female militia. Like that seems like it wasn't historical. And Emma's like, who gives a shit? You know, right. Hashtag fake news. Uh-huh. Doesn't really matter. Um, no, she was more like the 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 victors write the history books and the victors are all men in this case so 
How do we know? I did like how because we talked about like the music in this uh, show seeming to mostly emanate from Amma's uh, iPad. Yeah. And there's this like this ominous drum beat under the conversation, and then you find out it's this one the kids fucking around with the big drum. Right, right. Which, which we, we also a lot of people are like, oh my god, what's this going to do to the musical direction? Well, nothing. Camille just you know <laughs> decided that she had to go back. Something my wife pointed out is hmm. when she got the iPad, iPod. I, did, well, I don't think it was cracked, and now it's like really been beat up. Like how many times has she thrown this thing out of the window? Hmm. Um, when she first got it, when Alice killed herself. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't know if that's true. That's just something that Cecily told me. Probably. She's fairly reliable and a sober judge of, of, of plot and character, but like she's she's also not watched it as many times as I did. And mm-hmm. um, but I thought that's maybe interesting to show that like this is yet this 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 is a large this is everything is part of a larger pattern that we're not quite privy to, yeah. and we keep getting. And I think I think you can say that about all three generations of the pre- preacher preaker women which i don't even know what their names all of their names are but you know it seems like these are all wider patterns that go back and forward in time they go forward through amma and they go back through adora and as we see pieces, mm-hmm. i think we're supposed to understand that as we see pieces of one that you can apply that other to the other to the, to the other wider circles as well right you know like like and i, I feel like more and more i'm i'm getting uh, I, I'm liking that theory because you know we find out that Adora, this didn't begin with her. This goes back to her mom that she hoped that if she had a perfect little girl that loved her, that that would she used the word save that that would save her and and make her mother love her. Mm-hmm. So like these are just generations of women with holes in the middle of their chest trying to fill it uh, without any kind of tools or societal support to like help that except for alcohol. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, alcohol and abusive relationships with men. Those mm-hmm. are the, the those are the things that have to, to fill those 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 holes in their heart. And Calhoun Day. And Calhoun and, Day. I got the impression that when she said, "If essentially, if you make me cancel Calhoun Day, or if you cancel Calhoun Day, I could get you fired." Oh yeah. She was not joking. No, this was Jaws, and the mayor just said to the chief of police, "If you shut this down because we got a shark, then you're you're fucking out of here." Yeah. Uh, and we saw how that worked for Amity. Amity. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was going to work for Wind Win Gap, but I mean, like there, there's so much Chekhov's foreshadowing going on here. Like mm-hmm. Jackie talking about how. I, so I guess Calhoun Day centers on the Adora plantation because, like, oh, you're going to have the killers walking around in Camille or uh, Adora's front yard with all this prime meat, right? Uh, which ties back to the hog and butcher imagery and. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it. It seems like this this day is going to be like a shit or a real shit show. So I want to talk about the two biggest suspects, I guess. In your um, mind, okay. In my mind, um, they they talk a lot more about Bob Nash in this episode when uh, Camille goes to meet with Adora's friends, yes. uh, including Jackie. They're all talking about Bob Nash. Now, I did not, for the life of me, I rewound this fifteen times trying to understand what the implication is here. But I could not get why... So she says that Bob Nash has it in for the Keens. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Something about Ashley doing Lord knows what in Julie's Julie Wheeler's own backyard and how she's like the, you know, Little Miss Perfect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, 
why the hell would Bob Nash care what John Keene and Ashley Wheeler do? She don't. They're they are. This is like chain gossip. Like everyone throws out a juicy bit and it builds. Like oh, the Nash has had it in for the Keens for years because, and then they throw in and what does Ashley's parents, who we've never met before, and so it's jarring when they're just uses the Julie, right? Right. Like Julie's perfect daughter Ashley is doing God knows what with John, and I think he killed. Like it's just like a chain zinger kind of. It doesn't really connect. They don't fall, no, they don't. Okay, thank you because. I was racking my fucking right, right, brain right. trying at to first, make at the first connection. I was like, Ashley, who's this has got to be important? Or not <laughs> Ashley, Julie, this has got to be important. And I'm like, oh, they're just talking about the cheerleader mom, who's trying man. to. Right. They say Julie Wheeler's little Miss Perfect daughter, that yeah. cheerleader daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes so much more sense. So they clearly think but, it's Bob. But I want a lot to, of fingers are pointing at him. But... I want to show, like, so there's a lot. Of, we, we found out a lot about Anne and Natalie. Um, mm. that, like, Anne, we already knew, in Bob's eyes, was the perfect woman. Like, you know, she was smart, she took care of herself, she understood adult topics. That, to me, shows that maybe this is, this 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 woman, this this young woman was, like, shouldering a lot of expectations from her, from her, at least her father, mm-hmm. and maybe, like, her true self wasn't that as much, and she found yeah. this free spirit in Natalie, and... You know, because because like Natalie and Anne seemed very dissimilar people. Like one is a goofy kind of nerdy, like head in the clouds, playing yeah. with spiders and all this other stuff, and one was like a very sober, serious. But from John's perspective, they were peas in a pod. I feel like that we have to the, the fact that there is that tension in the relationship between Bob and his daughter that like she had depths that he wasn't willing to appreciate or she was suppressing to be the perfect daughter mm-hmm. I think is interesting but yeah especially when you you know parallel that with Emma the problem with it is the episode also threw out the fact that his tire tracks are a negative match for the tire tracks found at the murder scene right so they the so town the official, seems to be pointing all their fingers right. but the evidence is not and I feel like the show is trying to tell us like anytime there's a tit for tat evidence that like maybe that's like a cold trail mm-hmm. um, there's definitely a lot of like you know, in the psycho sphere, there's definitely a lot of smell coming from this guy, but I, uh, I don't know if I buy it. I don't know if I buy it. Okay, major suspect number two of this episode, John. Okay, they're really putting a lot, of, pointing a lot of fingers at John this episode. Yeah, yeah, but I, 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 I feel like it, but I don't think they're. I don't think there's any teeth to him. I kind of so agree like, with so you, but the, I can't really evidence? tell you why. So. There's there's a conspicuous blood spot under uh-huh. the bed, um, which but Ashley Ashley's, rushes in. That's in Ashley's bedroom. It's in their guest house, right? Right, right. Or is that actually in her bedroom? It might be. I don't know. Oh, well, but either way, it's on her property. Either way, not, yeah, it's, it's on not, her property. They're not in so, John's bedroom. So that's not, like, super incriminating. And she rushes in now. And does she, a full crime scene removal of it. <laughs> right. Although, you can get a black light in there, see the bleach. Uh, she's, Ask Stephen Avery. She's no professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she cleans that up, but is she cleaning it up to protect herself or to protect John? It's hard to say. It is hard to say. Uh, but the that, other that's th- the tit for tat stuff I'm talking about. The other thing is there's there are a couple of things in this episode that are weird with John. So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna preface this by saying Camille is an unreliable narrator. Yes. In her drunken drive back to town, mm-hmm. she is which one. Uh, fair, <laughs> fair. I think it's the first one. Because I'm talking about the, the one where she's like searching for Emma towards the end of the episode. No, no, no. Okay, okay, no. gotcha. The, right. The the one where she's coming back from you know smack, throwing the iPod out the window, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's recalling the scene of of finding Natalie, right, and all the people standing around screaming mm-hmm. and horrified. Mm-hmm. And in the background, you can see John run, flee the scene. Mm-hmm. Now, 
is that all in in Camille's head, or is that something she actually remembers happening? Or is he like happened to be walking by and saw it, and he was the sure. one that like was the most revulsed because it's his sister? Right, but it's it's a weird it's uh-huh. a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, th- uh, that focuses on John. Now there's another weird thing that focuses on John. They show a scene of him walking back into the woods. Like parked his car. Uh, actually, that was the, with the ball, that was on. the ball diamond where that kid yeah, said exactly that where he said she was taken. Natalie from. was taken from. By so the way, white, is white he woman. going to look for her? No, because her body's no, right. been found already. Right. What is he doing out there in the woods? They don't explain it. It's out of context. It just shows him walking into the woods. Mm-hmm. And in the end scene, he essentially says, "Like Emma's probably out in this shack right now, dead. Like, go find her." Well, <laughs> right. I mean, to, to when you're saying these things to Camille, that's what she's thinking, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But because because she's putting together a whole bunch, and that's, and that's the other thing. Like you know, um, I also feel that new information at the end of the episode that hasn't had time for another, like the the tit has fallen, but not the yeah. tat. Pardon to Jackie. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that that's also a red herring because I don't even so think the, Am is dead. I think I'm with you, but there, there's I think this a lot of weird stuff around this because John says, "Look, she, I know she plays out in this shack, right? Yeah. And then we we have been to that shack and yeah. we've seen the cop talking about how the person he knows the person who killed them must have been stalking them, must yeah, have been out hunter. there right, looking right, right. at them, you know, yeah, waiting for one of them to show up early. I I don't know, man. But here's the thing: they're, John's they're pointing not, a lot of fingers. So so John's not a hunter. And mm-hmm. we see him get fired from the hog job, and then when uh, Camille talks to him about it, he's like, "What's well, okay anyway?" Because like you know, people don't know it, but pigs are pigs are smart. They know what's happening. They're like, it seemed like he was really bothered by that. Um, that doesn't sound yeah. like a hunter talking to me. Okay, I I agree, but is he just a good liar? Is he telling a convincing story? What if? So I talk about Jackie being kind of like the the secret keeper. Mm-hmm. What if Ashley is that? Like, because what I'm thinking is happening. Uh, well, man, I just don't know. I, I think what might be happening is they're like, man, I don't know. I don't know because like I have a theory that Adora was behind the lesbian murders 40 years ago oh, because boy. she was enforcing the societal structure mm-hmm. and. That skipped a generation with Camille for whatever reason. We can talk. We can speculate or talk about it. And then it's happening again with Emma, where she is like, you know, she she feels the lash from all these societal expectations and how she wants to behave and in in contraindication for how she actually or how she should behave versus how she wants to behave or even the freedom to explore and see if it's for you at all, you mm-hmm. know. And she can't do it, and there's these people that are kind of breaking the rules and getting away with it, and she she lashes out at them. Uh, okay. And because, like, yes, her being uh, so. So let me ask you this: Is Emma dead? Because because I don't think so. I think this is another case of unreliable narrator, right? Where she is seeing what she's uh, her worst fear, essentially, right. that Emma's right. been killed, right? Because the other thing is, like, I think when you're seeing the fla- the the flashing back and forth of like, you know, Adora with Alan and Camille yeah. uh, trying to rush to her sister and her sister's night out, like, they show her clothes and I think the dress is right, 
when you see the corpse in the the thing. Um, mm-hmm. But she's not wearing the vest. She's wearing roller skates and not these like moccasins or whatever the fuck or boots she's wearing. Like I think that Camille has kind of the idea of what she walked out, but not exactly. And you're supposed to understand that. Hmm. I think okay. it's a fake out, really. But I, I you're going to yeah, find yeah. out that this is just Camille's like worst nightmare. But it's not going to come true. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Then again, like, because the thing is, is I think we got to have Calhoun Day. And if Amma's daughter dies, there's no fucking way we're going to get Calhoun Day. <laughs> no. That's like, a little no, bit no, of meta no. analysis. The chief will shut that shit down. There's a little bit of a meta now. Plus, she would be such a basket case, she wouldn't be yeah. able to put up a fight. Right. You know. That's the other thing, too. I, I Let me ask you this. Is young Camille wearing a wig? So there's a scene where, there's a flashback scene uh, where Camille has long hair. Mm-hmm. And her mother is weeping on the bed, on her sister's bed. Right. I, look, I get it. Her mother is very sensitive about this subject. But if it were right. three years later or however long it would take her to grow hair out that long, yeah, I don't know that it would be this fresh of a wound. I think that... And it looks like a very straw, straw, stringy, really nasty weave hair. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all... It doesn't, it doesn't look great. I think the actor has short hair. So right. she's undeniably wearing a wig. So you're, you, you uh-huh. might be just taking shots at the cost, the, the makeup department. Maybe I am. They should have picked a better <laughs> wig. Makeup department. It looks but, like a bad wig to me. So here's what I think happened. All right. Because um, I think... And man, I, I realize I'm walking into a minefield here. Uh, oh, boy. But because I don't want to imply that women don't have agency and they can't enjoy a consensual gangbang with a, a football field and that, that they should be branded as a slut or anything like that. But mm. the way Elder Camille talks about the situation with the detective, like, well, how do you know it wasn't like maybe some girls just like that kind of thing, blah, blah. And the the look that I'm getting from teenage Camille when this is about to happen, she mm-hmm. is the teenager at this spot and she's about to have her way like and there there was this this other phrase that they said about um like that she found a spider underground and she was like kind of like poking at it with a stick and there was this other statement i can't remember who made but someone said about like sometimes in situations we don't have power you like try to manufacture like an excuse to give yourself that power Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if like essentially teen Camille was was raped by the football team and has recontextualized it in her mind as not like to to kind of reclaim that power could be and kind of the same way like I saw there's a duality where she's being chased in the woods that was right from the very first episode right and she's got uh you know she's kind of like she looks like she's scared but then when she catches breath she looks like she's she's smiling enjoying it like I think that they're actually playing with like what actually happened here mm-hmm. and they're also trying to draw a con- connection between Camille playing with the spider and Natalie having this pet spider which is also connected <laughs> with John because turns out John is going to take care of this spider the whole time yeah. and now he's like where's which, the spider gun which I mean he goes in that room he's like where's the spider right dude you you have no hope of finding that spider no, in that he's room. Gone. He's it, gone. I, but but it's not like even if the the spider was in that room, oh. there are nine hundred fake spiders in that room. Oh sure, it's, it's like the Where's Waldo page where every fucker on the yeah, beach yeah, is yeah, wearing yeah. red and white stripes. Yeah yeah. You yeah. will never find Waldo with right. his stupid black hat. What I was getting at is or his stupid red and white hat. If 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 Camille shaved her head as a response to that event, like uh. I think that's that's saying something. I don't know. It could be like, hey, I'm a woman and I'm like sexually powerful and I'm cutting my hair because fuck society's expectations. Here's what I think happened. It could be a feminization of herself. I think Adora recontextualized it, didn't she? You think Adora cut her hair? She found like. No, no, no. I think she cut her hair after the rape and Adora 
like remembers it differently oh, because yeah, she totally. can't deal with that fact. And, and that's a that's also something you deal with narcissist parents all the time they fucking yeah. remix history to and the fucking gaslight and yeah. especially and I, I, especially when you see Emma saying yeah. look history is is not reliable here the, right. the books that you're reading are not necessarily yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the people who win write that so yeah 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 i I think Adora is recontextualizing the memory, if anything. Because, like, like, I should found also... out about this. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it was a rape. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe she's just, right. you know, banging five football players, and her mom finds out about it. And she cuts her hair because you're a whore, and you can't have these pretty... Like, yeah. I, I could see exactly. that being... Because, like, her mom... That scene where she's explaining, like, how Camille has failed to save her and has been a shit daughter the whole time, and then she gets real close and, like, and says, like, all I can think of is you smell ripe. Like, holy fuck. Talk about (laughs) your boundary transgressions and your basic failures of parenting. (laughs) This is advanced failure of parenting. Yeah, this is... She's teaching the 301 course here. Right. This is... This is... Man, she's... She's the worst. She's yeah. the worst. We keep saying she's the worst because she is, in fact, the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot. There's like there's a lot of parental failures. Like we see a flash of Bob Nash, like being completely unable to. I mean, I so so there's a scene of like I think he's like making sandwiches maybe, and the kids are just kind of watching cartoons. And I got this feeling that he was about to explode. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was about to be like. You know, how can you people be happy just watching fucking cartoons? Like, I don't, I don't know. But then there's also the scene that comes pretty soon after that where John comes home after he's been fired. This is a boy that needs his mom to comfort him. He's lost his sister, but what is she mm-hmm. doing? She's fucking day drinking, getting herself hammered, and is useless. Like, there's all these multi-level failures of parenting because as bad as you've got it, your kids are the same way, and they've got less experience and less... I mean, it's a it's a tough because like I get it, people aren't machines, but you know you gotta you gotta you gotta get help. You gotta get and and these people are in unique situations where they don't have a support system. They're outsiders, right? Like Adora decides she wants a day drink for a couple weeks. She's got uh, Gail, Gala to look after things and remember her daughter's mm, birthday yeah. and stuff. But like, who's Bob got? Who does John's right. mom got? Like, they're not friends. They can't, like, hey, I need Jackie to come over and not molest my son for an afternoon because I'm going to be get blotto. <laughs> like, there's, there's all these situations I think are interesting how they interlock and interplay. And it's not like, oh, well, here's a screw loose, and you tighten that up and the machine's going to hum. This is a mm-hmm. jalopy that's yeah. just barely rumbling down the road, and it's about to fly apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of uh, so well, while we're talking about Gala what did you think of the interaction with Camilla and Ga- Gala that like well in this town you can choose between housework and hogs and I like hogs and Adora's bark's worse than her bite is Gala part of the the, the overla- hmm. uh, overlapping systems of oppression here because I mean 100% yes I mean but... I, that, that to me that seems like a shitty thing to say to Camille with all the context yeah like like a, like Maybe that's true with Gala, but, like, you've seen this woman be terrible to her daughters. You've had to, and her mm-hmm. and her husband, and to everybody. Like, how, when when one of her adult daughters is just trying to level with you, how can yeah. how can you, you pull this? Of course, you know, again, it ain't, it ain't Gala's job to, like, take down Adora. No. You know, she's just trying to not have to work at the hog farm. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh... What did you think of uh, Alan and Adora's talk? Where Alan, I see, I did not know that Madeline 
Uh, the, Who? The, the, the Camille's younger sister that died. I did not oh, know okay. that that was actually Alan's daughter. I think either it absolutely is, I, because he hmm. was in the picture, right? Uh-huh. Um, it either absolutely is. is. Is it? Is it? I mean... Yes, by by certainly one definition, it is definitely his daughter. Um, because you know he's married to Adora, he becomes the father in that scenario. Yeah, whether it's biological or not, but no, and I I, and I, I, get, I don't know if it's biological. He, and and I totally agree with that because like I think as a you know as a step parent, you can't help but like love the kids, or you, you at least should. Yeah, God, you and, should. And um and step parents, like you know, hell, I'm in a you know my wife's a step parent to to my kids, so so I get it. But yeah. but I do think. If it wasn't his flesh and blood daughter, that Adora absolutely would have thrown that in his fucking face the second yeah, he tried yeah, to yeah. equal. E- well, it's no. You think oh, this is the same? Yeah, you think right? so? Oh, you just came you in here walk and in, sp- yeah. yeah, like she would have done all that <laughs> shit. And the fact that she didn't tells me that that actually was his daughter. It could be. Could be. Uh, we also found that Adora's on some sort of medication. Several medications, yeah. in fact. She yeah, just took a particular one out of the out of the. Um, but yeah. Um, I also like the scene where John is in the bar um, and Camille's kind of relating with her and she, he asked, you know, do you ever get over your sister dying? And Camille's like, nope, nope, never, you never do. And I, I think it'd be funny if John's like, uh, can I get a Drano? Uh, can you make that a double? Yeah. yeah. Like, Jesus, Camille. Are you seeing a pattern, Camille, with your words <laughs> and people's emotions? I mean, but here's the thing. Maybe she's got a streak of her mom in her. Yeah. It would kind of be remarkable if she didn't. So if she sees a I mean, place... I'm not I'm not for lying to people, right? Like, Camille right. has never gotten over this. She, she, what can she say? Say, you know, take her shirt off, say, look at my body. Does it look like I fucking got over it? <laughs> But surely she knows that some people can like that. This is like as a like her reaction yeah. is as atypical as a person who just glibly deals like like oh I you know my sister died whatever you know like those you are both so, yeah. atypical reactions extreme reactions mm-hmm. that probably have as much to do with everything else going on yeah. as it does with the actual inciting event and yeah I'm not for lying with people either too but holy hell that's especially <laughs> she coming off her other experience yeah she just doesn't let people down easy that's for sure uh, other thing we didn't talk about yeah. her, uh, Camille's boss has cancer did we know that I don't he's undergoing chemo with his wife I think that's he's either huh, doing kidney okay. dialysis or right, chemo he's, got, he's looked up to a lot of lines uh, and, and does okay. Camille I don't, I don't th- think we know we knew that before I don't think Camille knows it either I think he's hiding it from her oh shit uh, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Is this is this why he's reaching out to Camille because he feels like this is his last, his last opportunity to oh, help man. her? Oh, the, see now this would make his wife's reaction make a lot more sense because like, I thought there's maybe some jealousy going on, but if she thinks that he is putting like like that this uh, Pulitzer stuff is as much about you know his legacy as hers, then. Yeah. I could see her being a little bit like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not down because I felt like if it was just to like, do you know what you're doing kind of thing, mm-hmm. she was a little bit heavy on that. But that would make some sense. Like if this isn't much about him trying to recapture some sort of glory by bringing along a protege as it is Camille reaching her talents and this is why he's pushing her and rushing her when she – yeah, that would really recontextualize what I think about that guy. <laughs> For sure. Uh, 
another uh, Adora's a bitch file. The whole she can't meet Jackie because she's got a scratch on her hand, and Camille oh calls her on, and she God. goes, "Well, maybe it's a scratch to you." Can we just give some time for that line to breathe? Yeah. How vicious it is! Yeah, yeah. Surely her mom knows. Yeah, about her cutting habits. Yeah. No, of course she does. She went to go. Vi- oh, there's another thing we someone pointed out in the forums that I didn't understand at the time. Uh, they show Adora throwing a fit at the visitor station, and like she throws her roses down, and then we find that Alan actually takes her roses to Camille. What she's throwing uh, a fit about is the nurse insisting that the thorns be cut off the rose because you can't. Ah, uh, huh. And Adora throwing okay. a shit fit about that. Just you know, again, let's let's let it breathe. Huh. How much of a complete garbage person that Adora is. Yeah, that's, um, that's a terrible thing to say. And to you her. know, sh- she came by honestly, but I don't have a lot of sympathy for people that pass on. Like you know, I can understand, but I can't sympathize passing on that abuse to your children. Like. Sure. Fucking get help. Uh, uh, did you gag as much as I did? Am and her mom bonding over two packs, uh, dear mama. Two packs. <laughs> two packs. Uh, I, I wasn't gagging. I, I was wondering what was going through Adora's head in that moment. Like, I was actually surprised that Adora's the type of mom that lets her teenage daughter pal around up in her stairs, listening to gangster rap. Yeah, like I feel feel like that would be my parents wouldn't have. And yeah, they were they were pretty strict, but yeah. not nearly as strict as Dora. Um, but I don't know. There's also the scene like a lot of these were connected about uh, like young Camille after her sister's dead, afraid to even put a toe in her mom's bedroom and being shut out mm-hmm. from her mom's grief and and her grief. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think we I think now we've gotten we've gotten everything okay that we want to talk about. Uh oh, there's a couple other things. I guess the that we established the girls were dead when their teeth were pulled. I don't know if we knew that. I think we suspected that, but mm-hmm. um, he confirmed it on the record. Yep. Uh, and then oh, the other thing we didn't talk about is Natalie, uh, John's sister, Natalie Keene, stabbed the girl in the eye mm-hmm. for taking her pic- her her pencil. Now I know I don't know how they didn't establish how young Natalie was when that happened. I know that like kids can do things that are extreme, like when they're young, then they don't understand the full consequences. But are we supposed to treat it that way? Or are we supposed to treat this as like, well, maybe this is more like murder suicide type stuff that Emma got sucked into a bit? Yeah, I mean I think they're they're trying to paint a picture of her as not not just completely innocent. Mm. Um, th- that's what we're supposed to be thinking in this. It's supposed to sh- make us question right. uh, our feelings about her. You know, uh, before we get to feedback, people ask me all the time, how how, how do you cover all of television mm-hmm. uh, on the Bald Move TV podcast? And my answer is like, well, we, you know, uh, I, I don't, we, we don't, we don't really. That's our dirty little secret. Okay, good. Uh, but the fact that we're able to do like kind of like this like in betweener show in between some of the other big shows that's all because we do this full time. This is our profession. Uh, we thought this would be cool, uh, something we we're interested in, and we thought the bald move audience would enjoy it. And we got the freedom to do so because of the club. The club allows people to directly support us. It's by far the majority of how we make our money around here, and that la- allows us to keep kind of an independent voice and kind of you know. Do what we like to do, uh, not something we're forced to do and stuff that we think the audience would enjoy, like Sharp Objects, 
Uh, if you would like to help support us and get a bunch of other cool stuff for yourself, because if you go to club.baldmove.com, you can preview all the special features. We have ad-free feeds, VIP access to the forums, uh, special uh, video versions of most of our podcasts. We have uh, extra bonus features like Quip and Silent Movies and uh, Lunch with Jim and Aaron. You can check that all out at club.baldmove.com. Uh yeah, and you can also get a 30-day free trial. I knew I was forgetting something in the pitch. Uh, one other note, uh, there is exactly one more week in the Kickstarter campaign for my book on the religions of Game of Thrones. Uh, if you go to book.baldmove.com, you can check that out. Um, we've already funded it, so, like, uh, you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> we did add a few stretch goals well, to you're make... really selling it here. I know. I, I, this is the whole thing. Like, I don't like... It's like, I, we, I got what I wanted out of you, out of you people. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but if you would like to make it big, because we've got now stretch goals that can make things, like, you know, bigger and better. Like, we're actually thinking about adding a volume, too, because we've got so much material that we've had to cut out of the... Uh, or we're cutting out of the first volume. There you go. Uh, that's an incentive. You got that's an incentive. Yeah. There you go. Uh, more color artwork from our fa- fantastic artists that we got lined up up uh an audiobook version and also we've added that you can add on like if you want an extra copy of the book if you want to add a t-shirt to a tier that doesn't have it you can do that uh if you want to check out that and see the new opportunities go to book.baldmove.com all right we have feedback jim all right let's do it uh these next few are going to be feedback to us for uh the third episode mm-hmm. um so hannah m is issuing a correction last week you said the victim of the slenderman crime was killed but in fact she did survive the girls who were convicted of stabbing their friend did not succeed in killing her although it was their intent to do so the survivor was stabbed 19 times left alone in the woods to die managed to crawl to a bike path and fi- found help there's a great HBO documentary on this case called "Beware the Slender Man" that I highly recommend. Huh. Uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't like f- true crime, and and and, uh, uh, and typically, like I like true mm-hmm. crime that like exposes flaws uh, in the legal system. Like I think that's interesting, but I don't, I yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't like true, just true crime for the sake of it. Um, Dave R., you were wondering, as was I, what the deal with Alan's stereo system was. I came across this article that looked into his stereo, and it turns out it's super expensive. Check it out. This is from Vulture.com, who did an article uh, called The Home Stereo System from Sharp Objects That Can Be Yours for a Mere Mm $80,000, which probably means you could go to a, you know... Uh, an audio visual video store and and buy a rig that outperforms it for five grand. But uh, the TLDR is according to the company, the moon setup that appears uh, in the, in the episodes includes a headphone amp with a price starting at $3,500, a preamp of 9,000, a phono preamp for 7,000, a CD player, uh, that is discontinued, but used to go around for thirteen thousand dollars. A streaming uh, DAC. What the hell is that? Whatever it is, it costs fifteen thousand. Digital 000. analog Audio, converter. Digital, digital analog converter. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you'd have to have one of those for that. Uh, two monoblock power amps at twenty-two thousand each. Alan also has a VPI turntable, which will set you back a thousand to five thousand dollars for his vinyl collection. That's eighty thousand dollars minus God. however much he's sunk into vinyl. Yikes. Uh, that's Yikes. a lot. A lot of people <laughs> sent in that feedback. Uh, this guy was the first. Um, but, yeah, it does seem – because, like, I got the pr- – that not only was it, like, way more than any person would need, but it also is a little bit, like, snake oil. Hmm. And, like, I'm sure hmm. there's perfectly fine 
things and sharper image, but they're also a lot of overpriced junk trying to, you know. Sharper image? Yeah. They didn't say that's where it's from. Yeah, they did. They said sharp objects. Oh, shit. I thought it was sharp. <laughs> okay. No, okay. I was wondering what you were making that joke about. Okay. So, the, yeah, the, maybe this is. I still, there's no way you need $80,000 to appropriately appreciate no, vinyl. God, no. There's no way. No. Like, it just, it's, it's like whenever you get to, I mean, I just can't imagine $80,000 to listen to, v, to vinyl. Like, how much better does that sound than a $5,000 system? Not seventy five grand. It, I, I would bet it might even sound worse. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Ginny B. Uh, Marion was Camille's sister that died. When Adora said something about with Marion, it just feels personal. She seemed to conflate the murders of Anne and Natalie with the natural death of her daughter 15 years ago. On one hand, that seems totally right for a narcissist like Adora to make everything about her. On the other, that's such a tenuous connection to make and seems to indicate that Adora was somehow involved in the murders. We learned that Adora turned Anne, tutored Anne. Do we know of any connection between Adora and Natalie? We do now. <laughs> uh, so let's let's talk about this. I find it, if I set aside my feelings about Adora and my suspect that she has committed at least one set of murders, if not two, uh, <laughs> it seems natural... If your daughter died and you're talking about the death of another person's daughter that was you had a relationship to, to, like, fuck that up. Like, yeah. my, my dad, when he talks about me and my, my, my brother, he uses our names almost interchangeably. Right, right. Uh, and, like, you know, I, I just, I don't know, I, I don't know what we're supposed to think is human nature and just dismissible and what is, like, important. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last thought, Ginny uh, continues, was amusement that the chief of police was dis uh, dismissing that the killer could be local, but kept referring to the possibility it could be one of the Mexican pig farm workers. Such a perfect <laughs> note of bigotry did not include them as locals, despite the fact that they most certainly live in the area and have for a while. I mean, I'm not saying they probably do, yeah. Chief Vickers isn't racist, but they also said in that scene that the that's like a a migration pattern, I, but. So my understanding of how migrant workers works is that like it used to be that people would come into Mexico and they they come in from Mexico, they'd work the fields and they go back to Mexico. Mm -hmm. But paradoxically, strengthening our border over the last 30 years has made it to where it's so risky that they just kind of stay. It's easier so to stay. Yeah. We have somewhat created the quote unquote nightmare situation that we are that we are fighting against, even though legal immigration is at a 20 year low currently. Um so, yeah, like, I, I'm not, again, I'm almost positive a guy from this town would be at least baseline what I would consider racist, but mm -hmm. I'm not sure if in this fictionalized version of whatever we, year we're living in, if that's still the case, or, you know, they come up, they slaughter the hogs, and they go back, and then they come, I don't know, I don't know, so. Oh, Rashida D., she's taking it to me. Uh, I hate to say this, but your discussion of Camille's journalism had me gnashing my teeth and rending my garments. <laughs> she's getting biblical on me. Uh, one, she's using different but effective approaches with people she's interviewing. With the family members, she's not pushing. She's attempting to appear there as a concerned citizen who's willing to lend a patient ear. As she listens, she discovers other threads to pull. She can't use big city tactics on these small folks. She's an insider with dual outsider status. But with John Keane, too, she's well aware that she wasn't going to get anything she could use with his girlfriend puppeteering him, which is why she left her phone number instead of staying for more lives from cheerleader Barbie. 
Three, with the cops, she's inciting them to turn on each other. That happens. One of them is more likely to confide in her in order to shape the narrative before the other can. Notice how kind of skittish she is when interviewing the family members versus the confidence she has with the cops. She's doing her job well. Four, the piece she wrote was immediately published by her paper. That's not nothing. Journalists write pieces all the time that never get printed, let alone treated as a series. Eh, I think four. This guy would have printed anything. Yeah. She sends in anything, he's printing it. Yeah. Like, I mean. The dying man looking for one last <laughs> award. <laughs> one last bit of reflected glory. Uh-huh. I mean, I I take your criticism, and I certainly am not a journalist, journalism student. Um, but I don't know that you've convinced me on one because I feel like she was unnecessarily kind of combative with Bob, too. Like, right. I think that's the the one. That I look at and say, yeah, I, I definitely think she misplayed that. Yeah. And John, like, I, I kind of, cons- I, I think you've persuaded me that, yeah, you're right. Like, once you found out that she was going to get nothing with Ashley there, then her that her play was right. And I think you're right with the cops that, like, I was thinking in terms of building up trust and rapport, not like the Machiavellian turning right. them on each other <laughs> so you can have one that's just your absolute confidant. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Because the other thing is, like, how good of a journalist can you be with this much shit in your personal life? Like, uh-huh. she is drunk 100% of the time. <laughs> uh-huh. And I get it. She's a functioning level of drunk. But we also right. see where, as the series is progressing, that's not as true anymore. Like, she's actually getting drunk. Um, and more and more often. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's less about, after the first episode, it's much less about the maintenance and, and more in the medicating pain. Yeah. So I don't know how functional she is anymore fancy pants city cop is not helping with that either no no he's, he's no he's bringing not. the bottle no he is not uh samantha r just want to share some impressions from someone who was born and raised in the missouri boot heel and who coincident coincidentally moved to st louis after college and has worked as a newspaper reporter well we can't <laughs> trust anything you say you city slicker, carpet bagging, wanting to come down to our little <laughs> podcast in Cincinnati, the Queen, the Queen City, and tell us what's going on in our own lives. I don't, I'm not going to have it. <laughs> Samantha R. Uh, I think the accents sound a little bit more Georgia than Boot Heel. I actually agree with that. Mm-hmm. But the isolation of newcomers, the dislike of people who move to the big city and the vacant parking lot, team oh, yeah. hangouts are spot on. I will say some some observation I'll make as a person who spent four years in Southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. I think the accents are getting thicker, and I think it's because the heat media, like the rise of country music television and like the outdoor network and some of this stuff is like encouraging just the same way that like a lot of pilots talk like Chuck Yeager. (laughs) I think that like, like it's, it's like a culture. It's starting to be like a cultural thing. Huh. And like it's it's like the southern accent is creeping north because I think people think it's cool and and you know it's like the girls going around singing John Deere Green and they've none of their families ever owned a tractor in their fucking life like you know it's it feels right it Mm -hmm. feels right so um anyway really the only issue I've noticed that seems totally out of character is the fact that the roads and sidewalks are nice enough for anyone to roller skate on true especially. In the Midwest, where like it gets super fucking hot in the summer and super cold, and and in the winter, like your yeah. roads are perpetually a nightmare. And even if they're brand new roads, they still have crap all over them, like yeah. rocks and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. dust and pig shit. You, you can't roller skate on rocks. You can't. No. Uh, I, as a skateboarder, let me tell you, the rock is the <laughs> wheel's worst nightmare. Right. Right. 
Not a lot of good skateboarding in Mooresville, you're saying? No, fuck no. All the places that were good had big signs that said, no do not, you know. skateboarding, yeah. And the cops had nothing to do, so they would absolutely roll up on you. Yep. Uh, also, I, too, have been questioning Camille's tactics when it comes to finding sources and conducting interviews. I've chalked most of it up to her reluctance or resistance to being back home, but I still couldn't believe it when she took no real opportunities to get to know the family after the funeral. While it's true that few parents would be ready or willing to talk about the loss of a child so soon, many families eventually do consent to an interview to keep attention on the tragedy and hopefully stir up support for the investigation. If Camille is as good as her editor claims, she knows how and when to make this point to the families. I guess it helps that she does have to worry about being scooped by any competitors. Oh, doesn't have to worry about being scooped by any competitors in town. Um, so that's an actual journalist kind of finding some... Uh, and I'm not saying Rashid is not either. I'm just saying, like, people can can disagree there. Um, yeah, and I wonder, you know, she got one story published already, and we know that the town has kind of seen it, and they've taken note. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it something where maybe the tone of her story might influence the parents to give her an interview, right? If she's respectful, oh. if she looks like she's well, trying she to help. Well, she that up with the bedroom details, I think. Yeah, th- there is that lie in there. I mean, obviously, the her mother certainly would notice unless right. she's too wine drunk to to understand right right uh, but yeah i i wonder if she's also using the stories to maybe get people to talk more like she understands the town better than you know cop the big city cop does yeah so and the other thing is i just looked in and apparently jill uh jillian flynn or gillian flynn has a journalism background herself okay she went to the university of kansas and the uh, medill medill school of journalism uh, and she did work freelance at U.S. World and Report. Um, so my question, I guess, is how much of this is – because, cause like, whether she's a really good journalist or not, she's also compromised by all the things going on in her life, and I wonder how much of it is, you know – I, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time deciding between how much of it is – She's not got all the experience she needs as journalism to break the story. How much of it is that she's punching above her weight and she's handicapped by all of her psychological and addiction issues? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, All right. Uh, Cape Gabe. I've solved it. This episode cements <laughs> my theory. Adora did it and it has all to do with Tupac versus Biggie. Oh, oh God. Jesus. <laughs> all right. She's the East Coast in the camp of uh-huh. West Coast. It all makes sense to me now. It might be that I watch with captions and the opening music. She's got cupcake kitty curls may have messed with my brain. <laughs> Interesting theory. We'll see. East versus West. I don't know. We, hopefully some, someone, Camille can quash this beef. Uh, we, we already know that they have a history of North versus South. Yes, so. right. Get the other cardinal <laughs> get, directions. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Johnny Truant, regarding the teacher. I feel like this has got to be the football player we see in the flashbacks. Ooh. He may also have been the guy that angrily left the bar a couple of episodes earlier. Hmm. Ooh. Maybe. That's a lot of maybe. It's a lot of like me having to go through HBO, dot, yeah. HBO now and, and fast forward and rewind. But that's a, that's that's interesting, if true. I like how they're slowly developing Alan in the background. This episode does a lot with what I think is he is saying that Marion is actually his daughter as well as showing how he is kind to Camille despite, I believe, not being her father. Also, he seems to exhibit the self-harm tendencies that run in the family with the fist biting. Well. <laughs> self-harm? I don't know. Biting that, your fist with rage is, yeah. I wouldn't really kill Unless he actually took a knuckle off. Um, yeah. Do you know, I just realized where I've seen this guy before. Where? He was... Ethan Hunt's handler in the first 
Mission Impossible oh, movie. Jesus, 20 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he was giving that speech to Adora about, don't, you know, I've got a daughter too. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> this dude threatening Ethan Hunt's farmer mom and dad right before he gets chewing gum explosion out the aquarium or whatever. <laughs> uh, Josh the Black. The bite mark on Alan's hand was from the end of last episode where he screamed into his fist while biting it. I'm glad he finally grew his spine this episode. So maybe he did put a put 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 a little bit into the, into that bite. Maybe yeah. I'm maybe I'm dismissing the self harm too much. Uh, one one bite, you know, does not a self harmer make. He come well. I mean, he comes up and says to uh, you know, Dora's like, "Look, I've got a scratch too." <laughs> right. Can you take care of my boo boo? Uh, I'm 99% certain that the teacher is the one who ran out of the bar a few episodes ago. Uh-oh. I think mm. that he may have been present during a young Camille gang rape via the football team, uh, editorializing on the actual consent there. Uh, he also ran out on the visitation when he saw Camille. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Do you think all the flash cuts at the end were actual events being shown or just Camille's imagination as she frantically searches for Emma? I think so. I think some of them are actual events. I don't think Camille is thinking about her parents banging. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, most of them I don't think were. Yeah. I think it's very confusing. Yeah. And that's like, that's the show. Boy, I don't know. Because like this show has got so much leeway to do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be like, oh, you thought Emma was dead, but not like. I, I don't think Emma's dead, but I kind of think the show would be more intellectually honest if she was. Because that's a little bit. It's one thing to do that. And like she comes to the end and just Emma's sitting there smoking dope in the shack. But right. to have her portrayed as dead and in that as a cliffhanger and it's not and she's not actually dead. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. It's not a fatal. It's just kind of like I feel I feel like it tricked me. Yeah. Villigan's done it to me a couple times. Like, it, it happens. I'm just saying. Uh, the bit Adora tells Camille about chopping off her hair to spider, Camille says, that wasn't me. That's a story from Natalie or Anna's funeral. Adora seems to conflated the dead girls with Camille or is gaslighting her. Or is misremembering a thing that happened 10 years after that and putting it into the wrong context. There's There's all yeah. kinds of... All kinds of room for for fuckery there. Uh, Telephone of Madness. I think Camille was just imagining finding Amma's body. After each dead girl is shown, we cut back to Camille in her car. Also, the clothes dead Amma is wearing are different from the ones we see her wearing in the inn. I think the car that approaches her at the inn is probably Camille's. Uh, Oh, yeah. Hmm. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that she would find her on the road there. Because one thing I absolutely know is not happening is these boys falling in the car shooting stop signs and not just suddenly gun it and run them down. Right. (laughs) That did not happen. And if they had, I don't think her body would have looked how Emma's picture right. or how Camille's picturing it. Right. Be a little more twisted. I guess that's why the thing is is I think the dress was the same. And yeah. I I wish I guess I I get it they had slightly different clothing and that's like a good tell for this isn't real. So maybe I shouldn't be too uh you know sore at the the showrunners for it, but I don't know. It feels like really skirting the, the lines here. And I think when you have a show that plays as much with stream of consciousness and unreliable narrator, yeah. there's a higher burden. You kind of have to hold yourself to, to not lose the audience. Uh, let's see. Double Aaron from the forums. So when are y'all going to touch on the popular adore a high theory? <laughs> uh, I, our, our next game of Thrones episode. <laughs> yeah, I get I guess I don't know. Cause that the thing is like, I am not getting on Reddit for this because oh, hell no. I was n- I was nearly spoiled 
Uh, actually, I was spoiled. Um, I read an article. Don't spoil it. No, everybody. no, no. It's already okay. it's already been revealed. The first okay. episode where we're debating whether uh, the scars are real. Gotcha. An article just nakedly said in the first paragraph, "Those scars are definitely real." Because I've read, and I'm like, <laughs> "God damn it! God damn it!" Like yeah. that's a minor thing, but like I don't trust anyone on the internet not to spoil. It. That's why I got my wife doing all this feedback and compiling it for me because. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to preserve the surprise so I can play along and engage in all this stuff. But so, like, if there's an Adora High, you're going to have a theory. You're going to have to gonna have to, to outline it. If it's just a joke, then solid Game of Thrones joke. I admire it. Uh, all the chickens from the forums. Um, okay. Do we want to cons- – so Cecily has, 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 trigger, has flagged this as trigger warning for next week on Phobes. Uh, and this is the final piece of feedback. This is something that is using the next week on to do some speculation. Are we going to allow hmm. that, Jim? Uh yeah, I and mean, I'm sure. watching the next Let's week. Give on. a warning. All right, so this is based on speculation from the next week on. Yeah, if the, you the don't want to know week. anything, shut the podcast off right now. Yeah, yeah, because we're about to do it. We're gonna, we're yeah. gonna. It's happening three right now. TV at If you want to send in feedback or forums at baldmove.com. All the chickens about the that about to spoil next week's episode. Mm-hmm. HBO shouldn't have let a next week's episode preview if you're going to leave it on multiple cliffhangers like they did. Yeah, they showed it. I agree with that. <laughs> uh, but that could be a flashback, or who knows? Um, uh, it was definitely a Calhoun day. They're okay, definitely doing okay. Calhoun day. They're definitely okay. bringing Amma back, yeah. Okay. Uh, the recap of the final scenes from the New York Times' Judy Berman for anyone with a foggy brain like mine. The, see, here's the thing. It's one thing to show it. It's another thing to then do the Reddit thing where you freeze frame, frame by frame, yeah. and analyze it and see when it happened and in what context. That's... Sure. Like, I don't think... That's where people start getting in trouble. But we're going to do it. We're I usually do it. don't watch the the next time is on, but next time ons. I have. But I did this time. I have, too, because I don't... And I, I treat it like it is, like as a tease and mm-hmm. not... But I notice right away there's a door... There's, there's ammo front and center, yeah. so whatever. Uh, the scene cuts to short uh, to a shot of an antique gun on an open Bible positioned next to a cell phone that seems to date back to the pre-smartphone era. A hand holding a drink hovers over it, and then we see Alan raise the same kind of glass and take a drink. It could be the glass from the previous shot with the gun, but maybe not. What's weird is I've watched these for a few seconds over and over again, and the settings don't seem to match. As she's driving, mm. Camille flashes back to photographs and memories of Anne and Natalie's body. There's an odd scene in which she enters the hunting shed at night and finds what looks to be Amma's body, bleeding from the mouth, without roller skates, and dressed differently than she was at school that day. Alan opens the door to Adora's bedroom, and the music turns sinister. Adora looks afraid. Now we see Amma skating alone and wearing the same dress she was wearing at school earlier that day as the headlights of a car tail her in the dark. There is a quick shot of Willis turning around that's too brief to interpret. Amma turns out, well, you just haven't gone frame by frame. Right. Like, that third frame, his expression gives it all away. Uh, he has no <laughs> teeth in his head. <laughs> Amma turns on her skates, freezes, and stares in the headlights. I'm not sure on Alan's intentions, but they're purposely made to seem ominous and not like a visit for some sex, though the thought of intimacy with the door is pretty fucking ominous. No, that's. I think that's exactly what they're implying. Is Marital that, rape? That he, yeah, that he's going to get off one way or another and... Uh, I think that's exactly what's happening there. Yeah. I've been patient and I've been, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, so my question is like, I'm just still like, I'm trying to figure out, cause I thought like up to last episode that this was maybe like a psychosexual game they're playing. And there is a little bit of evidence that too. Like if you notice 
when she is sitting down to take off her show, shoes, like she hikes up her her dress above the knee line, which maybe that just helps her take off her shoes. But then yeah. she's sitting there, she hikes it up another couple inches. And I'm not, look. I didn't notice that at all, but okay. I'm not, if this turns out to be a non-consensual marital rate, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead in this train, so I'm not condoning oh, it. I'm Christ. also just saying that this could be like a game they're playing as well. And the show is weird enough to go in either direction and dark and disturbing enough. So mm-hmm. um, not that it's dark and disturbing to play rape fantasies with your spouse. If that's what gets you off. I, I mean, yeah, try, trying my best. I'm trying like, if I've, I've got anything wrong, you got other viewpoints. Let me hear him. TV at baldmove.com forums.baldmove.com. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? Sharp objects. Nope. That's it. Next week, coming back with another, another title that has something to do with a word on Camille's body. No mm-hmm. doubt. Uh, and we will be here for it. We'll also be having a conversation with Castle Rock. So if you want to maybe get a little bit of feedback in the first couple episodes about that, maybe we can talk about that as well. Until we come back next week, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Later.